Welcome to episode two of Strictly Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Schaefer. Uh, If this is your first time listening, uh, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to express my opinions to you. If this is your second episode, welcome back. I appreciate you coming back. I just want to thank everyone who's supporting me with the idea of going through with this. Obviously, I'm new to the technology, don't really understand it that well, but uh, I'm working on it. Uh, so please bear with me. Uh, I want to apologize also for all the background noise that's going on. Uh, eventually, I will be getting a mic, so we won't have to hear this anymore. Uh, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to recap what happened this weekend. We're also going to recap the wild weekend that was in college football. Uh, it was a pretty crazy weekend with a lot of ranked teams going down. Uh, the NBA season started last night. We'll get a little bit into that. Baseball playoffs, a lot of drama going on in both series. And my one question for today's podcast revolves to the NHL. And my question is, when you give out letters, and what I mean by letters is when you give out your alternate captains, what if the alternate captain plays bad? Does it, and you have to maybe possibly sit him down a game. And that's the case in any sport, not just hockey. I'm just referring to hockey as an example because it makes the most sense for this example. What if the player plays bad? Do you have to sit him down? And what kind of impact does that have on a locker room? But first, I want to recap uh, the NFL and the week that was. So for those of you that are keeping score at home, my picks were terrible. I'm not even going to mention my record because it was so bad. Uh, word of advice, don't go to Vegas with my picks. Do not do that. I don't recommend it. You will lose money. Um, so Thursday night's game was between the Eagles and the Giants. Uh, I said in the last podcast, I'll say it again, whoever lost this game, I felt like was going to have a really hard time making the playoffs. And I just couldn't see the Giants winning that game. I couldn't see it. They're, just, they're not good enough. Uh, they have too many issues, both in their locker room and on the field. And obviously the Eagles blew them out, winning 34-13. Philly is now 3-3. The Giants fall to 1-5. Their season is over. The Giants are 0-3 at home. Uh, Eli Manning, once again, is lost. And there are rumors now coming out that Eli Manning has lost the locker room. And the Giants are now going to try, you would think, to tank the rest of the season and get the quarterback they want, and that's Justin Herbert from Oregon, who's probably going to be the number one quarterback in the draft. And that's the guy they're going to go with. They also drafted Kyle Loletta last year from Richmond in the fourth round. You know, I think he can, he's got it. You got to give him an opportunity. I, I, the Giants should right now bench Eli Manning and go to Kyle Loletta and see what he can do. But of course, what these teams are going to do, like the Giants, they're going to wait until they're mathematically eliminated. And then they'll cut Eli Manning after the season. I would do it now. You're one in five. You're not even, you're not even really out of the division race. As crazy as that sounds. You're only, you're only two to two and a half games out. Why not try to save your season if you're a Giants fan? But hey, I'm, I'm not Pat Shermer and I'm not Mike Shula. So, you know, the Giants, uh, they'll probably lose again. So uh, let's move on to Sunday's games. There were a lot of them, obviously. The two teams with the buys were the Lions and the Saints. Uh, so obviously their records don't get affected by that. First game I want to talk about is the Jets and the Colts. The Jets... Beat Indianapolis 42-34. Jason Myers hit seven field goals in that game. That's now a new franchise record for the Jets. Sam Darnold looked great through two touchdowns. Andrew Luck threw four of his own. 
But unfortunately, Andrew Luck just does not have a lot of talent around him. He doesn't have a running back. T.Y. Hilton was inactive for this game with an injury, and their defense couldn't stop the Jets. Jets put up 42 points with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of number two and three receivers. So I was impressed by the Jets' offense. Their defense didn't look great. It's actually the third straight game the Jets have allowed 400 yards or more, which is quite a, quite a lot. And the Jets, if they want to win more games against better quality opponents, like next week against Minnesota and then the week after against the Bears, they're going to have to stop those teams or they will lose both of those games. The next game was Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Uh, Atlanta, again, they needed a win bad. They're 1-4 going in. And the crazy play almost won this game for Tampa Bay. You know, Jameis Winston does kind of a QB draw, throws it backwards to Mike Evans. Mike Evans, if he throws a perfect pass to Deshaun Jackson, he walks in and Tampa Bay walks off with a miracle. But unfortunately, the ball short hopped Deshaun Jackson and went right through his legs. And Tampa Bay did lose the game 34-29. So Atlanta now goes to 2-4. Tampa Bay falls to 2-3. That was Jameis Winston's first game back. Uh, since the suspension, and then he was, then Ryan Fitzpatrick started, and now they're back to Jameis Winston. Jameis threw for 395 and four touchdowns, um, but unfortunately it wasn't enough as Atlanta went on to win. Uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, uh, the Steelers went in there. They beat Cincinnati 28-21. Pittsburgh goes to 3-2-1. Cincinnati falls to 4-2. And, you know, no Le'Veon Bell. He's still out holding out for more money, but James Conner has really stepped in and done a nice job. James Conner, for those that don't know his story, he went to Pitt and uh, uh, Pitt University, and he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he went through a whole treatment and a whole process. The Steelers ended up getting him on their team, and he has looked great for them. Through the first seven games, I just want to I just want to give a quick stat here. Through the first seven games of this year and last year, James Conner compared to Le'Veon Bell. James Conner actually has more yards per carry and more touchdowns than Le'Veon Bell. Now, you can make that argument whatever you want. You want to say he's better than Le'Veon Bell? Great. Le'Veon Bell's the better running back, obviously. Le'Veon Bell is a dual threat. Um, Le'Veon Bell deserves to get paid. I just don't know that Pittsburgh's going to pay him, but we'll see how that shakes out. So Pittsburgh gets the win. Obviously, Cincinnati takes the loss. Unfortunately, the play that ended the game to win it for Pittsburgh should not have ever happened because there was an offensive pass interference pick play that was not called. And unfortunately, that sent Cincinnati to a loss. Then the next game was the L.A. Chargers and the Cleveland Browns. I picked Cleveland in this game because I felt that Cleveland was riding a high. They just beat Baltimore 9-6 in a crazy low-scoring game. And I thought, all right, Cleveland, going to the dog pound is really tough for a team to go cross-country. But unfortunately, Baker Mayfield twisted his ankle on the sideline, running out of bounds, and that just did it for the Browns. They ran out of hope. And uh, unfortunately, they ended up losing 38-14. The Chargers are legit. A lot of people question the hire of Anthony Lynn. And uh, fortunately for the Chargers, they go to 4-2. and two. So the next game is Seattle and Oakland. I picked the Raiders because the Raiders got out of the U.S. And everyone's talking about how John Gruden's done a bad job. And uh, John Gruden's doing a bad job. I mean, the Raiders are now 1-5. Seattle goes to 3-3. Three three. Uh, this game was played at Wembley Stadium in England. Uh, Russell Wilson threw three touchdowns. David Carr, uh, excuse me, Derek Carr got injured. And Derek Carr was actually seen crying during the middle of the game when he got sacked. Now, I don't know if that's because it was an injury or if that's because he's crying because he's on a bad team. Because it really could be the second reason. Um, but the Raiders have not looked very good. John Gruden just doesn't have a clue what he's doing. There's actually a website 
that's counting down the days, years, and months of when John Gruden's contract expires in Oakland. That's how bad it is for Raider Nation. And they're some of the most passionate fans out there, but, you know, that's just the way it goes. The next game, which was, I think, one of the craziest games of the day, was the Dolphins and the Bears. The Dolphins won 31-28 in overtime. Um, they hit a, Jason Sanders hit a game-winning uh, 47-yard field goal. And, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphins are 4-2. You know, I, I questioned Miami in the beginning of the season. I wasn't sure Ryan Tannehill was going to be the guy, but Ryan Tannehill didn't play in this game. The quarterback in this game was Brock Osweiler, and actually Brock Osweiler was named the quarterback for the next game as well. Brock Osweiler, if you remember, was under Adam Gase when Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator in Denver. Brock Osweiler was the starting quarterback. Brock, Brock Osweiler in this game for 380 yards and three touchdowns. Frank Gore ran over 100 yards. And Albert Wilson, this guy is Tyreek Hill 2.0. And this little guy scored two touchdowns, and Miami ended up winning the game. Miami goes to 4-2. Chicago falls to 3-2. I think it was a really big missed opportunity for Chicago to kind of get to 4-1. But unfortunately, they, uh, excuse me, two, yeah, the four and one. Unfortunately, they couldn't get that done. The next game is the Vikings and the Cardinals. Uh, Minnesota, Arizona gave them all they could handle early, but unfortunately, the Minnesota Vikings were too strong. Um, Latavius Murray had a big day, 155 yards. Adam Thielen is one of the most underrated receivers in football, 123 yards. Once again, this guy is special. He was a Division II player, didn't get a tryout, and lo and behold, he's a top 10 receiver in the league. So the Vikings went on to win that game. Minnesota is now 3-2-1. Arizona falls to 1-5. Coach Steve Wilkes has come out and said that basically they got to win this week against Denver or they all deserve to get fired. So we'll see how Arizona responds uh, Thursday night against Denver. This was one of the harder games to pick with Washington and Carolina. Washington won 23-17. You know, Carolina, you know, I'm not really sure how legit they are because they don't really have a lot of targets for Cam Newton. Um, I like Devin Funches and Christian McCaffrey, but other than that, I really don't see a whole lot for this team. Carolina falls to 3-2. and two. Washington goes to 3-2, and two, and they now lead the division in the NFC East by half a game over Dallas and Philly. And Adrian Peterson at 97 yards, he's making a comeback. Josh Norman played against his former team, so that must have been exciting for him. And he also picked off Cam Newton. Um, then we go to the Houston Texans and the Buffalo Bills. Texans won 20-13 thir- over the Bills. Bills fall to two and four. Texans go to three and three. Josh Allen got injured in this game, sprained his elbow. They brought in Nathan Peterman. He was awful. He threw a pick six to Jonathan Joseph, and the Texans went on to win that game. And actually, about 15, 20 minutes ago, Derek Anderson was named the starter for the Buffalo Bills. That tells you how bad Nathan Peterman's playing. They signed a guy off the street, and now he was named the starting quarterback. That's how bad Nathan Peterman is. So a lot of things going on in Buffalo there as they fall to two and four. The Rams, the only undefeated team left. They beat the Broncos 23-20. Todd Gurley at 208 yards, went on an absolute tear. Uh, best running back in the league, no doubt about it. And now Denver's getting a lot of questions. Does Vance Joseph keep his job? Is John Elway safe? Remember, John Elway got Peyton Manning to come to Denver, but that was really just a band-aid. They never had a young quarterback. They thought it was Paxton Lynch. He turned out to be the worst quarterback in the draft when he was drafted. They hired Vance Joseph. He hasn't done anything. They drafted Bradley Chubb. He hasn't done much. You haven't heard his name a lot. And everyone's saying, oh, he's the best defensive end since Michael Strahan. Well, no one's talking about him. So Denver's got a lot of questions surrounding them right now. They're 2-4. and four. They play Thursday night to Arizona. We'll see how that shakes out for them. Uh, Dallas and Jacksonville. This was the most shocking result. Jacksonville got blown out at Cowboy Stadium 40-7. to Dak Prescott threw two touchdowns. Looked like the Dak Prescott we were all used to seeing. 
and Ezekiel Elliott had 106 yards, Cole Beasley at over 100 yards. Jacksonville's got a lot of problems right now that they need to fix on both ends. Now, I thought Jacksonville was going to go in, try to either draft Lamar Jackson, or maybe they would call the Jets and say, hey, listen, we want Teddy Bridgewater. You know, even though he's one hit away from his career ending, you know, maybe he could take us to 10 wins and we can get to a Super Bowl. But unfortunately, Doug Marone, Tom Coughlin, and Jacksonville Jaguars decided we're going to go with Blake Bortles, and they're 3-3. Three and three. So I'm curious to see if Blake Bortles remains the quarterback going forward. He probably will because their backup's not great. Um, but we'll see. Maybe they'll go sign somebody and try to find lightning in a bottle. Uh, the Ravens beat the Titans 21-0. Baltimore is now 4-2. Tennessee's 3-3. Three three. Tennessee offensively is a terrible football team. Their running game isn't great. Marcus Mariota doesn't have a lot of targets. Delaney Walker's kind of been you know, injured for the most part this season. Corey Davis, their top five draft pick from last year, has not worked out yet. And uh, it's really been a problem for them. Mike Vrabel's a good coach, but unfortunately they just don't have a lot of offensive weapons for Marcus Mariota to handle. Uh, I'm going to get back to the Sunday night football game in one second. Uh, the Monday night game was between Green Bay and San Francisco. Green Bay, I don't know how they didn't win this game by more than 30 points, but they only won 33-30. And I don't know if that says more about the 49ers and their effort or if it says more about Green Bay and how bad this team actually is. Aaron Rodgers was an animal for 400 yards, two touchdowns. He was great. But Green Bay's in a lot of trouble if you can't beat a 1-5 team and you only beat them by three points. That's concerning for me going forward. So now I want to focus on the Sunday night game between Kansas City and New England. I said that if Kansas City wasn't going to win that game, they're not a legitimate team. Kansas City's a legitimate team. I will take back what I said. Watching Patrick Mahomes, that kid is special. He has a lot of talent. A lot of, they're kind of like a backyard offense um, to an extent. You know, Tyreek Hill is, is unbelievable. 142 yards, three touchdowns. He was great. You know, Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. I think that really the concern for Kansas City is they can't stop anyone. If they made three or four tackles, they could have beaten New England. But unfortunately, they couldn't tackle anybody. They have 43 points to an offense that really isn't doing much this year. Steven Goskowski had a game-winning 28-yard field goal. Now, the incident I want to get to is Tyreek Hill. So Tyreek Hill scores a touchdown, and this fan throws a beer at him. You know, he takes a beer, splashes it in his face. And obviously, we can all agree that that is not right. I mean, that's not proper etiquette at any any stadium, period. I mean, it's it's just not tolerated. Um, but so Tyreek Hill and his agent came out and started complaining and saying that, um, you know, that the Patriots fans should get prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I mean, let's just take a second here. Tyreek Hill got probation for beating and strangling his pregnant girlfriend. And now he's saying that the Patriots fans should be prosecuted? I'm, I'm sorry. That just that doesn't make any sense to me at all, what he's saying. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I agree with Tyreek Hill that it's wrong what the fan did. But to prosecute him to the extent of the law when what you did was worse? I'm sorry. That just that makes no sense to me at all from Tyreek Hill's side. But I understand his point. Um... So that wraps up our, our NFL portion. Um, we're going to go into college football now. As that weekend was really a, a wild one. Maybe the wildest we're going to see all season. I mean, it was, it was definitely a crazy one, to say the least. Um, so, obviously, Alabama won big. They beat Missouri 39-10. to That was a big one for them. 
I mean, they're, they look like the best team. I don't see anyone beating them this year. They're probably going to win the national championship, but I guess you never know. Um, but they're just, they're really good. That quarterback especially, he's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, but the game, the game really to watch was Georgia at LSU in Death Valley. My guy, Ed Orgeron, um, was one of probably my favorite coach in college football. How'd you do it? We did great. You know, the guy is just a, a great, great motivator and a great speaker. LSU dominated Jake Fromm in Georgia. They won 36 to 16. Georgia looked like a team that really was scared of the moment. Now, Georgia hadn't really played anyone to that point. They have three games remaining on their schedule, Florida, Auburn, and Kentucky. They should win those three games. And then the SEC championship game is going to be Alabama, and that's going to be a very difficult game. Obviously, Georgia has another couple of cupcake games, but those are the three big ones. And then they play Alabama in the SEC championship game. That's going to be a very difficult one. I think in order for Georgia to make it to the playoff, they have to win every single game that they play to have any chance of getting there. Um, Clemson had the week off, so they're obviously still in the playoff mix. Uh, I think they're overrated. I watched them against my alma mater, Syracuse. Syracuse should have beaten them. Unfortunately, Syracuse is too young of a team to realize the moment, and they lost. But I don't know how good Clemson is. The ACC is also really bad this year. You know, Florida State's had a bad year. Miami just lost to UVA. So, I mean, there, there's a lot going on in the ACC. I, it's not a strong conference this year. So I'm not really sure if Clemson's going to get the love that most people want them to. Um, Ohio State took care of their business. They beat Minnesota 30-14. to Ohio State actually has a really tough game this week at Purdue. And I know people are saying, oh, my God, Purdue. Purdue's a, a terrible team. Purdue is not a bad team. And when you play at night in the Big Ten and in these conferences, these games are hard to win. And Ohio State's recently, their defense has given up a lot of big plays. Purdue leads the Big Ten in big plays. So if anyone's going to beat Ohio State, it could be this week, Purdue. It could be Purdue. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But it could happen. Uh, Then Notre Dame, they beat Pittsburgh 19-14. Notre Dame has a very favorable schedule. Um, You know, I think also... The, the committee's going to want Notre Dame in there because Notre Dame brings ratings, they bring fans, they bring tickets. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. Notre Dame almost lost to Vanderbilt and Pittsburgh. Um, you know, obviously they have a couple of, a few games. I don't think they're going to be that tough. I think Notre Dame's going to be fine. I think they'll probably get into the playoff. I, I don't know how far they're going to go, um, but I do think they're going to be one of the four teams in. Uh, West Virginia lost to Iowa State. West Virginia is now a 5-1. I think they're out. You, know, you lose to a team that's 3-3, three and three, uh, that's a bad loss. I know it's on the road, and, and Ames is a very tough place to play, but I just I don't see West Virginia now getting into the playoff. Washington, they played Oregon. Oregon won in overtime. Uh, Washington is out. They now have two losses. They lost to Auburn and Oregon. They're out. Penn State has now lost two games. They lose to Michigan State. They're out. They're now 4-2. and two. And the team that's still hanging around is a team like Texas. They're 6-1. and one. They beat Baylor. You got undefeated Central Florida, who gets no love because they're in the American Conference. I don't think they're going to make the playoff because they're in the American Conference, even though some people would argue, hey, they're undefeated. They should be there. But, you know, people probably won't consider them at all. Michigan got a nice win against Wisconsin, 38-13 at the Big House. That was a big deal for them. You know, and a lot of, it was a wild week in college football. So for me, right now, the top four is Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. 
It's subject to change, but I think it's going to be that way unless Ohio State loses to Purdue. Uh, Clemson should run the table in the ACC. It should be fairly easy for them. Uh, Alabama should be fine, and Notre Dame should be fine as well. I think these are probably the four best teams in college football, but ultimately I think the national championship game is going to be Bama and Ohio State. They're the two best teams, I think, in my opinion at least. Um, you know, you got two Heisman Trophy quarterbacks and two of two of Ilola and Dwayne Haskins, and uh, I think that both of them will end up sitting in New York, but I think the Alabama quarterback, two of Ilola, hopefully I'm saying his name correctly, uh, will end up uh, winning that game. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the NBA. Uh, last night, two games were played, Philadelphia and Boston. Boston ended up winning that game. Uh, 105-87. You know, Ben Simmons is special. Jason Tatum is special. These are two young players that are growing in front of our eyes. Ben Simmons had 19 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists, and made this unbelievable pass to Markel Fultz behind his head. It was really just incredible to watch. felt like I was watching Magic Johnson, honestly. It It was special to watch. Golden State and Oklahoma City, the game was very tight even without Russell Westbrook. But in the end, Golden State was too much. Steph Curry had 32 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists. Um, Dennis Schroeder, newly signed from Atlanta, he started because Russell Westbrook's out with some knee surgery issues. Dennis Schroeder had 21 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. But unfortunately, like I said, it wasn't enough. Golden State got the win. Tonight's games, uh, the Knicks have their home opener against Atlanta. Um, Charlotte's playing Milwaukee. Brooklyn's playing Detroit. Uh, and there's a couple other, you know, soft games here, really. Houston's playing New Orleans. That'll be a good one. Minnesota's playing San Antonio. That's Jimmy Butler's, you know, the Jimmy Butler drama going on over there. And then the game I'm actually the most interested in, and I know this may sound crazy because these teams are not very good, but Dallas and Phoenix is a really interesting game. You got who I think are the two best rookies in the draft in DeAndre Ayton and Luka Doncic. You know, I think both of these kids are special. DeAndre Ayton is a beast. I mean, this kid's got post moves. He can shoot. He's a great rebounder. I think the one question with him is his defense. You know, c- can he stay motivated on the defensive end? And I think defense is overlooked in the NBA because everybody wants to shoot threes and, you know, score from 1,000 miles away. And Luka Doncic is a big-time player. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's kind of like a point-forward type of player. He's going to take, the, take the, the load off of Dennis Smith Jr. and Harrison Barnes. And I think he'll really help Dallas. Now, I don't think either of these teams are making the playoffs. But it's always nice to watch some young kids kind of develop and see what they're made of. So that's going to wrap up our NBA portion. I know it was short. I have some other things I'd rather talk about than the NBA right now. So we're going to switch gears to baseball. I want to get into, obviously, the two playoff series. The Astros and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Brewers. Uh, incidents have gone on in both of these series. You got the cheating scandal going on right now in Houston. We'll talk about that in a second. I'll give some background on that and kind of explain what's going on. And then we got Manny Machado stepping on Jesus Aguilar's foot. So we'll start with the, uh, the American League between the Astros and the Red Sox. The Red Sox won last night 8-2. Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a grand slam and, uh, and just blew the game open. I mean... Roberto Osuna got booed off the mound. He was the closer they acquired from Toronto. He had domestic violence issues. Um, But then a story came out last night that the Astros 
were cheating. And that an employee of theirs was taking pictures of the Red Sox dugout during game one of the ALCS. And uh, Major League Baseball has come out. They feel like the investigation was satisfied and that, you know, there wasn't really a serious thing going on. Baseball, Major League Baseball said they would deal with it internally. This is a problem. I mean, this is not a good look. Stealing signs has been a thing in the past. Um, but obviously, so to give some context, basically, there was a, a guy claimed to be an Astros employee. He was at the stadium taking pictures of the Red Sox dugout. He was eventually removed by security. Um, he didn't have any media credentials, so he didn't have like a, you know, like a, a, a pass around his neck saying that he worked for a company or that he worked for even the Astros. He had nothing. You know, he was using a, a little camera. You know, he texted often. He was texting. And we don't know who he was texting. He could have been texting somebody in the dugout. He could have been texting the owner. I mean, we don't know who he was texting. Um, but apparently, this isn't the first time because three teams have complained to Major League Baseball about the Houston Astros cheating. The Red Sox, the Oakland A's, and the Indians from the last series. So this is not the first time this is going on. The Astros were caught cheating. I mean, let's just look at it the way it is. The guy took a picture of the sign, and they were caught cheating. Now, is baseball going to do anything about this? Of course they won't. Because it ruins their image if they say, oh, they were caught cheating. Look what steroids did to their image. Look what this could do to their image. They could say, oh, then everyone's going to say, oh, the only way to win in baseball is by cheating. That, that's going to be the narrative. You know, it, it's a big deal. I mean, how many games have the Astros won since they were caught? The answer is zero. You know, it's a big deal. I mean, how would, I mean, what if you're the Dodgers? How would you like to be the Dodgers right now? You're in the, you know, you make it to the World Series and then you lose to a team that was caught cheating. You feel like that World Series should come to you. There's no place for cheating. I understand you want to, you know, do little things here and there. Okay. But now it almost feels like the Astros championship has an asterisk next to it. And I think a lot of people are disgruntled and disgusted with what happened in this series. The Red Sox lead the series two games to one. And we'll see what happens going forward. We'll see if maybe the Red Sox can take advantage um, of the cameraman not being there. So another cheating scandal going on in, in a sport. You know, you had the Patriots with, with Spygate and Deflategate. Then you had steroids going on. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and then the National League is a whole other story. So Manny Machado last night hits a, you know, a measly ground ball to short. And Manny Machado, it looked like, intentionally stepped on Jesus Aguilar's foot when he was going to the base. Now, Manny Machado has a history of being a questionable player at times. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, he slid hard into Dustin Pedroia. He spiked him. Even in Game 3, he, uh, he tried to break up a double play by grabbing the leg of the shortstop. But these are things you can't do. I understand you want to win. I get it. But, but don't go about it the wrong way. Just do it the right way. And Manny Machado actually was just tweeted by Ken Rosenthal that Major League Baseball has fined him an undisclosed amount for the way he ran. Now, of course, baseball won't suspend him because he's a big star. And if you suspend him, then you're going to lose viewership and you're going to lose tickets. It's just the whole thing behind it. Now, the Brewers came out 
and said that he's a dirty player. Christian Yelich came out and said that he's a dirty player. Manny Machado said, well, you know, I'm just playing hard and I'm playing baseball. Then Craig Council, the Milwaukee Brewers manager, went back at Machado and said, I don't think he's playing all that hard. So now, should is Manny Machado going to lose money in the offseason? I don't know, probably. But it wouldn't stop me from signing him. The guy's a great player, great talent. He's a five-tool player. He can run. He can, he's got a great arm. He's a great hitter. Got on base, scored the winning run last night. Um, but, you know, he obviously has some baggage that comes with him. And, you know, I think internally, the organization that signs him, whether that's the Phillies or the Dodgers or whoever it is, is going to have to deal with this internally. And um, if I'm a Yankees fan, this is a guy I wouldn't want to go near. I understand that, you know, he's great, but we also have Didi Gregorius who had Tommy John surgery today. For those of you that didn't know, he's out for a while. You know, they would just move Glaber Torres to shortstop and go get a second baseman. You don't really need to pay $350 million for Manny Machado, especially if he's going to do something like this. But the guy's a great player. And I think if you're a team that needs needs a star, I would still sign him. I think you obviously have to talk to him about the situation and what's going on. But I agree that I would definitely sign him. So I want to move on to hockey. Now, obviously in hockey, they give out letters to put on guys' jerseys. For leadership reasons. You, know, you give out usually a captain and two alternates. In some cases, it's just three or four alternates. In the Rangers case, there's five alternates. That's Mark Stahl, Jesper Fast, Chris Kreider, Mika Sabanajad, and I'm missing somebody else, but that's okay. But, oh, and Matt Zuccarello. And... I'm okay with those guys getting letters because, you know, they've been around a long time and they play hard and whatever. So my question to you is, what if one of those five guys, I'm just using the Rangers as an example because I follow the team. What if one of those guys plays bad for a a certain amount of games? Like Mark Stahl. I'll give Mark Stahl as an example. So Mark Stahl last night, the Rangers played Colorado. They wanted a shootout. Mark Stahl looked awful last night. I mean, awful. You know, he's like, first of all, he's covering nobody on the first, on the goal scored. I believe it was by Tyson Jost, the first goal. Mark Stahl was supposed to cover Gabe Landeskog, and Gabe Landeskog is standing in front of Lundqvist. Lundqvist is like, where are you? Second goal, Mark Stahl again doesn't cover anybody. Now, Mark Stahl is a veteran guy. He's been around a long time, had some injury issues and some history, and obviously... He's like the de facto captain, I guess, for the Rangers. If I'm David Quinn, I'm sitting Mark Stahl tonight against Washington. But they won't sit him. Why? Because he's an alternate captain and you gave him a letter. Now, how much would that impact the locker room if you sat somebody with an A or even a C? Probably a lot. I think people would look at it as, man, why did he get an A? Personally, I think what the Rangers need to do, and every NHL team needs to do this, is you just give out a C and that's it. We don't need six alternates, seven alternates. That's that's ridiculous. If you don't want to give out a C, don't give it out. Just don't give it out. It's ridiculous that Mark Stahl has an A and he may and he probably should sit tonight. 
I think a lot of fans now like the speed game. They like the mobility and not these slow guys who wait for wait for contact and then move the puck. You know, Connor McDavid and, and these guys have changed the way the game is played. It's now a speed game and it's a young person's game. Mark Stahl is slow. He's not that mobile. And neither is Adam McQuaid. So if I'm David Quinn tonight against Washington, I am sitting Mark Stahl and Adam McQuaid. And that goes for any team. I am sitting the slowest guys on the team because it's a young person's league now. The young kids, most coaches that have come into the league will tell you that they want their young kids playing at this level because it helps them and they can learn and grow from these experiences as opposed to dominating an American Hockey League or a Junior Hockey League thing it's like oh well we just did it all over again you know and then they go to the NHL and they play like six games and they're like all right you're not good enough well they're not good enough because you're not giving them an opportunity that's why they're not good enough I mean Filipino's a good player he's young he's fast he can skate I think he's 19 or 20 years old you know he was demoted to the fourth line a lot of people weren't happy about it David Quinn came out after the game and said I should have played him on the wing I should have gotten him more minutes that's what I'm talking about that's the kind of coach you want someone who recognizes they made a mistake and who's willing to play young players no matter what the circumstances are. Now, he benched Butchnevich last night, and Ranger fans went crazy. But Butchnevich has, has not really shown much, and he's been in the league for two or three years. You know, I think what the Rangers should do is call up Leah Sanderson, put him in a situation where he can develop and skate, because we want to see what this kid's made of. He was the seventh overall pick. And, you know, you have to see what he's made of. Now, I don't think he's anything more than a third-line center. But you have to at least see what he can do. He's dominating Hart- the uh, Hartford Wolfpack in the American Hockey League. He's dominating right now. Why not call him up? He's better than Ryan Spooner. Ryan Spooner's here for, like, another year or two, and then he's gone. Ryan Spooner is not a part of the future with the Rangers. Vlad Nemesnikov is not a part of the future with the Rangers. Why not play Leas Anderson? I just, I don't understand it. You know, I get it. You want him to develop, and that's wonderful. But this kid belongs, if he's dominating a secondary league, he belongs on the next level. Now, as for the defense, and going back to my my question, I would sit Mark Stahl. I would sit Mark Stahl, and I would sit Adam McQuaid. I would play Tony D'Angelo. Tony D'Angelo's played well. I know he's not the greatest defender, but neither is Kevin Shattenkirk. And Tony D'Angelo has played well. And he deserves to be out there. Unfortunately for the Rangers, Brendan Smith, his best side is his right side. And that's a problem. Because you have Tony D'Angelo, you also have Neil Pionk, who played well last night, I thought, with Brady Shea. And you also have Kevin Shattenkirk. And I I just think, right now, I think Pionk and Shea should stay together. I would go with Smith and D'Angelo, kind of bring a a toughness about them. And the third pair, you'd have Kevin Shattenkirk and Frederick Clayson, who they signed from Ottawa. He's looked, he's looked pretty good through a couple of games. I mean, obviously, you know, he played with Eric Carlson in Ottawa. He was on the top pair there for a while. So this is a guy who has a lot of experience playing with good, really good, talented players. And I think it'll let Kevin Shattenkirk focus and Tony D'Angelo focus more on their offensive side of their games and not worry so much about the defensive side of the game. And obviously, Henrik Lundqvist has looked fantastic. And, you know, the forward group, it's going to be a rotating door. 
And like I said, the Rangers are not a playoff team, but I think Ranger fans would like to see some of their young players get out there. Let's see what these kids can do. Just put them out there. I mean, look at Edmonton, for example. They're playing Kyler Yamamoto, Jesse Pugliarvi, Connor McDavid. Now, Connor McDavid is a generational talent, but they're playing a lot of young guys, and they're sitting guys like Zach Cassian and Alex Chase on these slow fourth liners that don't do anything. You know, and, and that's the problem. A lot of these old school coaches are going with the grind mentality. That's why Alan Vino was fired in New York because he kept playing the veterans. Pavel Butchnevich was like a puppet. The kid was on the fourth line every game. Now they brought in a coach who cares about young players, and that's the direction the NHL is going in. So get used to it with your teams that you're going to be playing a lot of younger, faster guys. There's not as much fighting anymore. There's not as much big hits anymore because all these young kids are focused on their skills and their offensive game. You know, um, so that's that for uh, the podcast today. Uh, I'm periodically going to be having guests on, uh, people whose sports opinions I highly trust, so you won't just be hearing my voice, because I know you guys will probably get sick and tired of hearing that, trust me. Um, These are people whose sports opinions, once again, I highly trust. These are friends of mine. These are not Derek Jeter or, you know, Aaron Judge. These These are kids that I went to high school with. These are friends that I grew up with, and... I'm going to give them an opportunity to kind of show off their personalities, who they are, and I'm going to give them the floor to give them what they want to talk about. Um, On the next podcast, we're going to talk about Champions League. That restarts again next week, so we'll get a little bit into that. Um, And we're also going to recap the NFL, of course, college football, and we'll do all that fun stuff. And just remember, I'm Andrew Schaefer, and this is Strictly Sports.